0: We continue our study of the book of Acts with chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Peter is brought before the leaders of the Jews and boldly proclaims the gospel. He ends his gospel message in verse 12 with the following declaration. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Please follow along with Pastor Jim as he delivers today's slice of this week's message entitled, No Other Name Under Heaven. Now remember, they were heading to the temple for the three o'clock in the afternoon prayers. They stopped, they healed the man, and then Peter preached. I don't know how long he preached. Um, I'm sure it's only a summary that's in the book of Acts. And chapter 3 closes, and chapter 4 opens immediately after that event. It's not a logical place for a chapter break. As a matter of fact, the first word of chapter 4 continues from the last words of of chapter 3. But chapter 4 records the first instance of open persecution against the followers of Christ. The description of the events is actually pretty straightforward, but along the way, we're going to look at uh, principles that we can apply even though we aren't apostles, we aren't Jews, we aren't in the temple, we aren't even in Jerusalem. Uh, We don't have apostles around doing spectacular miracles, and at least for now, we aren't being arrested for preaching uh, preaching the gospel, but we're going to find out how to respond when that does come. Now, back when I was working on my outline for this week, as always, my eyes were bigger than reality would allow. I thought, it'd be great to go through verse 22, and I fully intend to, next week. Um, (laughs) And I confess, I kind of like, you know, murder mysteries and whodunits and stuff like that. Well, so you'll see the genre here. Here's how we might outline this. First of all, first three verses, you're under arrest. Verse 4, the evidence against you is strong. Then verses 5 through 12, we confess. Next time, um, let's offer a deal to these guys. And then we order you to remain silent. They hadn't watched TV yet. They thought it wasn't a right to remain silent. And then the deal is rejected. So we'll get there today, the first uh, 11 and a little bit of 12 verses that we're going to see. First of all, You are under arrest. As they were speaking, well, I told you that connects right away to the end of chapter chapter 3. These people came and interrupted what was going on. They had had enough of these guys in their temple. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them. Now, we've got to figure out who this group was that came and interrupted. First of all, it's the priests. Those are the ones who served in the, in the temple. They had to be descendants of the tribe of Levi. They're the ones that offered the sacrifices. Now, we're told there are 24 divisions of priests from all over the world. They rotated serving in the temple uh, in two-week shifts. So it, every forty, if you were a priest, out of every forty-eight weeks, you would serve a two-week, uh, a two-week time, and otherwise you would be at your home. And they came from all over Israel. Um, if you aren't familiar, if you want to make a connection, Luke chapter one verse eight tells us about Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, and it says he was serving his priestly service according to the order of his division among the priests. So it happened to be his his turn. And God arranged that providentially. Now, so you got a group of priests, an unknown number, but pretty big crowd, and then the captain of the temple guard. Well, that refers to the guy who was the head of the security force for the temple. His name was Andy. He answered only if that. If you don't know Andy, well, I'll introduce you later. Um, with all the ceremonial regulation. That was, you know, formal activities that went in the temple. Went on the temple. You couldn't just come there and freelance. So somebody had to keep order. So the captain of the temple guard answered directly to the high priest, who kept who who kept everything in control. Uh, There were also, especially at times like Pentecost and Passover and and Day of Atonement, there was matters of crowd control. There would be thousands more people in Jerusalem than than usual. So it was necessary to have people who made sure things were under control. So it was a legitimate role that they had. We know that the Romans uh, allowed the peoples that they conquered to remain free and, and keep their own ways of doing things for the most part as long as they faithfully paid their taxes to Rome, they didn't stir up rebellions, and they didn't commit crimes. That's why the Jews could have so much autonomy in Jerusalem, but there were limits. They were not an independent nation. Israel was never a fully independent nation from 586 BC until 1948 AD. That in itself is a miracle attesting to the accuracy of the Word of God. But the Jews could only do so much Uh, They couldn't put anyone to death. That's why they had to manipulate the Romans to arrange for the Romans to crucify uh, Jesus. But they could have their own security. So this is not Roman soldiers. This is the temple guard, Jews, coming to deal with this situation. Now, it's not hard to see why these guys were disturbed. They now have this new group of thousands of people who keep showing up every day, filling up all of the public areas in the outer court of the temple and all around that part of town, but they weren't doing the things that that Jews normally did. Now, notice it also mentions the Sadducees. The Sadducees refers to one of the four groups of leadership among the Jews at that time. One group is called the Essenes, they were the reclusive, nerdy, scholarly types who never did anything in public. Uh, you would probably not even know about the Essenes unless you've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. We're sure glad that they hid their library up in the, up in the mountains above the, above the Dead Sea. That's the Essenes. The Zealots were the other end of the spectrum from the Essenes. They were the political activists. They wanted to overthrow Rome they led the charge to try to get Jesus to be a king because they thought he can can get us out from under the thumb of Rome. It didn't work out for them at that time. Uh, One of Jesus' disciples, Simon, he's called Simon the Zealot, uh, he had been a member of the Zealot party before he came to Jesus. Then there were the ones you've heard even more about, the ultra-legalistic Pharisees. The Pharisees controlled what went on in the synagogues where most people worshiped most of the time. They hated Jesus because Jesus was constantly exposing their self-righteousness, their hypocrisy, and their teaching of salvation by works. They believed that they and themselves by their works were righteous. Now, the Sadducees were numerically much smaller than the Pharisees, but The the Sadducees held the political power and the control of the priesthood and what went on in the temple. Theologically, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were extremely different. The Pharisees were the ultra-right-wing arch-conservatives and the Sadducees were the theological liberals. The Sadducees um, did not accept... All 22 books of the Old Testament, it's 22 in Hebrew, we'd say 39, they accepted only Genesis through Deuteronomy, the the Torah, uh, the law. They considered the rest of the Old Testament as sort of like lightweight commentary on the Torah. And as we'll see later, yes, they were very liberal theologically. Uh, We're going to see in the book of Acts where it mentions that they did not believe in resurrection or in angels and demons. How do you think it flew with the Sadducees when they said, Jesus rose from the dead? We know because the angel told us at the empty tomb. That didn't resonate with them. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees agreed on essentially nothing except they both hated Jesus because Jesus exposed them. The Pharisees put up with the Sadducees because they had to access the temple, and the Sadducees put up with the Pharisees because most of the people were more influenced by the Pharisees than the Sadducees, and the Sadducees lived off the offerings of the people that were controlled by the Pharisees. So it was like this peaceful coexistence, but very different groups. The Sadducees were pompous They were aristocratic, they were wealthy by and large, and they were in complete control of the temple and the priesthood. They were the ones, for example, who gave the franchises to the people to sell sacrifices and exchange money in the temple. So eh, they weren't too thrilled with Jesus on those two days that He threw out all of their stuff. So this combined group, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, came up to them Peter and John and that verb tense implies uh, suddenness and verse 2 being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead this group did not think this through and say you know something's going on here I mean I think there's a revival I think we better go ask some questions. We better go listen to what these guys are saying. We better go we better go open our Bibles and think this through. No. They were greatly disturbed. If you would like this message on compact disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.